Congratulations, guys, on dying. <laughs> it's not so bad. Jesus said you got to die to find me. So it's a good thing to die to self. Amen. He said if, unless you lose your life, you'll never find me. And he meant it. So we've just got to learn how to kill the old flesh. And, and baptism is the most awesome thing. It, Paul said it's a circumcision of the spirit. I mean, it gets in there and kills your flesh and raises you up in the spirit. Amen. I don't understand how a car works. I'm a woman. I know, but I can get the key, put it in that little deal and turn it and put it in that little D thing and push this little thing on the floorboard and I'm gone. I don't know. I don't understand baptism, but I'm telling you what it does. It gets you in the motion going toward the heart of God. Hallelujah. And furthermore, it not only it does that, but it opens the doors of heaven and He starts beginning to pour out Himself into you because you've entered covenant. Hallelujah! Our God is a covenant-keeping God. Amen. Amen. He delights in giving good things to His kids. He's looking for ways to position us, to get us into this place, to give us His best. Amen. I don't know about you, but I used to think that God was just looking for a way to stomp me like a bug on the ground. That's what I thought. Don't ask me how I got that concept, but I had it. And once I got saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, my Father changed my perspective of Himself. He showed me that His heart for me is good. Hallelujah. That'll preach. I might do it. Again, congratulations. Hold up your Bible. The sword. Hallelujah. I've got this. I've got this double-edged sword. This is this is the sword, and this is a dagger. This is the old and new covenant, and this is the new covenant. So I've got me a sword and a dagger. Hallelujah. I'm after the devil. Hallelujah. <laughs> I figure if one's good, two's better. Amen. <laughs> this is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. And I can be what it says I can be. Okay, let's put a little kickstart in it. You know, there's like 2,000 motorcycles here this weekend. You know, I hear those things. Well, I like them. I, I've got my motorcycle license. Hello. I don't own a motorcycle yet. <laughs> just turn me loose. Just turn me loose. Okay, let's put a little kickstart to it. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I better have what it says I can have. It says I can do, and I better be what it says I can be. Hallelujah! Don't you love the Word of God? You know, He just takes us revelation by revelation. I mean, understanding by understanding. He's changing us from glory to glory. Hallelujah. 
I don't I don't look like what I'm going to look like next year. I don't want to. I want to look more like Jesus. I want to walk more like Him. Talk more like Him. Be more like Him. Hallelujah. And the Word of God will get that done for you. Praying in the Holy Ghost to get that done for you. Hallelujah. Thinking about Him 24-7 to get that for you. Hallelujah. How many know it's not about me, it's about Him? Glory to God. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, just to be honest and confess the truth, I didn't have a clue. I mean, I sort of knew, but I didn't know. I was just scrambled in my brain about what to bring this morning. I just brought several different things. I was going to give you the full meal deal. But when I walked in, I heard the guy singing, Nothing but the blood. There's nothing but the blood. There's nothing but the blood for me. Yeah. Come on, I don't know the rest of it. Oh, he died upon the cross. Was the blood for me? Let's do it again. There's nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood. There's nothing but the blood for me. One day when I was lost, He died upon the cross. There's no this was the blood for me. Oh, yeah. So that's what I'm going to talk on. Hallelujah. Fasten your seatbelt. We're going somewhere. Hallelujah. But before we get there, I have some things to read. Everybody say, okay. Thank you. If Jesus were here in His earth suit body and He did what He did back 2,000 years ago and if He did what He did in the United States, He would be in trouble. <laughs> he would be wanted by the ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearm Commission for turning the water into wine without a license. <laughs> He would be wanted by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, for killing fig trees. He would be wanted by the AMA, the American Medical Association, for practicing medicine without a license. He would be wanted by the county coroner for asking people to open graves and for raising the dead. He'd be wanted by the health department for feeding 5,000 in the wilderness without a certification. He'd be wanted by the NEA, the National Education Agency, for teaching without a certificate. He would be wanted by OSHA for walking on water without a life jacket or flying without an airplane. Yes, sir, he'd be in trouble in the United States. He'd be wanted by the SPCA, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, for driving hogs into the sea. He'd be wanted by the National Board of Psychiatry for giving advice on how to live a guilt-free life. Mm -hmm. He'd 
He'd also be wanted by the Abortion Rights League for saying that whoever harms God's children would be better that had had a millstone around their neck than thrown into the sea. And then he'd be wanted by the zoning department for building mansions without a permit. <laughs> oh, glory! <laughs> Isn't that the truth? The blood of Jesus. Did you know the blood speaks? Hebrews 12:24. the blood speaks. Hallelujah. Everything in the Old Testament, everything you read in the Old Testament, you've got to read it with the understanding that it was God's Polaroid snapshot. You know those cameras you had? And it spits out a picture. Well, everything they did in the Old Testament was a Polaroid snapshot of Jesus. Everything from the design of the temple to all of the things that God set in motion. Now, man come along and they added a bunch of more stuff to it. But I'm talking about what God did. Amen? Amen. Let's look at some of that. Let's look at uh, Exodus. You don't have to turn there. Exodus 12, when uh, the children of Israel was in bondage, and they had been in bondage for 400 years. They had lived free up until uh, the Pharaoh died, and a new one came on the scene, and they decided, hmm, these Israelites are getting a little bit too big for their britches, so they made them slaves instead of free. And for 400 years, these people had suffered under the Pharaohs. And they were crying out to their covenant-keeping God. And God keeps His Word. And He tapped on Moses, who you know, He had goofed as the adopted son of Egypt. And He had, he had got ahead of God's plan. How many have ever done that? And he got ahead of God's plan as deliverer, and he ran off and stayed in the desert for many, many a year. And he was minding his own business, tending to his sheep, and he sees this bush burning that's not consumed, so he said, I think I'll go check this out. And he met God face to face. Hallelujah. And there he got instructions. Moses, I've heard my people's cry. Go get them. Oh, Lord. Not me. I stutter. How many make excuses for not doing the will of God besides me? Lord, I stutter. I can't do it. And, and the Lord said, okay, I'll, I'll send your brother with you. Don't worry about it. But you're going to go get my people. Amen. And so, you know the story he went and told Pharaoh. He figured, you know, hey, I got connections. I'm just going to waltz in there and say, let my people go. And he's going to let them go. Not so. Anytime God gives us instructions, it's not just going to be easy. Did you know that? It's going to be affronted by the enemy. Hello. It's going to be, you're going to have opposition in the spirit realm. Anytime God has mandated you to do something, you're going to be opposed. When he called me in to preach, I went, um, <clears throat> Lord, I'm a girl. <laughs> Girls don't preach. But he put the fire in my heart. Amen. And I had to see it in the Word of God. Did you know it's in there? It's in there. It's okay for women to get up and do this. It's okay, so chill out. <laughs> 
But I had to fight through opposition in the spirit realm to get into the will of God. And you will too. It doesn't matter what God's called you to do. You're going to fight in the spirit realm to get into His will. So don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't give up. Because God's got good stuff for you. Hallelujah. But anyway, here's Moses and he goes over there and he's, let my people go. No, so something happens. Go in there and let my people go. No, so something else happens and happens and happens and happens. And and about the tenth plague, God said, I want you to tell the people of Israel, my covenant people, to get a lamb and kill it. And take the blood from that lamb and get some hyssop and put the blood in a bowl and get the hyssop and go out and on each doorway take the blood and whoop like this on the sides and on the top. What did I just make? Yes. Even then was a Polaroid snapshot of the cross that Jesus was going to bear. Even then, it is a picture of what is to be. Now, when we get into the blood, we are... What happened with them? The the death angel was sent. Can you imagine what... That was feeling in the spirit realm that night. My word. You talk about the dogs howling and the cats screeching and people getting this strange feeling. I am sure they had it. I mean, the only visual we've got is is um, that, um, oh, that Cecil B. DeMille's The, the yeah. Ten Commandments. And, and as a kid, I saw that and I see this green stuff going down the street. I don't know if it's green or not. Who knows? That was Cecil B. DeMille's idea of the death angel. We don't know. However, we do know that he was there, and because people were not under the blood, their firstborn died. Every one of them, from the people to the animals, the firstborn of everything, dead. So that is a visual of the power of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Now, let's bring it on up. You know, it says in Deuteronomy 12, 23, that there is life in the blood. You take the blood out of one of us, and guess what's going to happen? We're going to die. There is life in the blood. If you took all the oil out of your car, what would happen? It would burn up. Amen? You take the blood out of us, we're dead. There's life in the blood. Well, why in the world did Jesus have to do what He did? Okay, what do we call this besides a Bible? We call it a New Testament. Amen. Well, did you know for a will and testament to be implemented, somebody's got to die. If I make a will and leave all this stuff to my kids, i got to die before they get it, unless they talk me out of it before then. (laughs) To have a will activated, something's got to die. 
and for the new covenant that God always had in mind, even before the earth was founded, He had in mind a people of His own. He made Adam and Eve. It was a good place. There wasn't any evil. There wasn't any wickedness. There wasn't any stickers, thorns, nothing. It was a good place. Good place. And then sin shattered the good place. But the whole thrust of that whole thing was that God designed that so that He would have a place to come and fellowship with His created order that was made in His image. You know, I can imagine when God was up there talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit that um, they were talking about this new thing they were going to do. And you can imagine the angels going... What's man? What's man? What's man that he would be mindful of them? What is man? They didn't have a clue what men were. And then God made the planet, got it inhabitable for life, made all the other stuff first, and then he come down and got a little bit of dirt. Mm Mm-hmm, we're just dirt. Someone call you dirt, say, yep. That's what I am. So are you. A little bit of dirt and water and a little bit of electrical stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But inside this being that God created and fashioned in His image, you know, you just think about it. Just think. Here's Adam laid out. Made in the image of God. Laid out. And you know what it says in Genesis? God... breathed into Adam's nostrils. So what do you think Adam was seeing when he opened his eyes? Uh Uh-huh. His creator. That's when he opened his eyes. Father had just blown into his nostrils. Guess what happens to us when He breathes on us, Holy Spirit? I see you, God. Wow. (laughs) I want more. More, more, more. Father, I want more. Hallelujah. We're made in His image. We were made for fellowship. Just intimate fellowship. Bosom buddy. Bosom buddy. Friend. Friend. Just to hang out. Just to enjoy. That's what our God made us for. You see, we forget that. We get all this navel vision. It's about me, it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. Uh Uh-uh. It's about Him. It's about Him. And when we realize that and we start walking toward Him, this stuff begins to fade. Everything begins to fade and everything falls in right balance. And it is a relationship with Creator God. It's not religion. Religion is man's idea. But relationship is God's. Hallelujah. Amen. You can clap on that one. That's what we were made for. Glory. We were made for intimate relationship with our Creator God. 
Think about that. Does that overwhelm you? It overwhelms me. I am telling you. It overwhelmed me. I had been born again and spirit-filled, pretty new, brand new. And everything that Father has taught me has been by revelation, but it's always been according to the written Word. Amen. He'll never deviate from the written Word. Hallelujah. And I was... I was uh, I had read this thing cover to cover every week. It's the New International Version. I got NIV positive. I did. I knew which page any scripture in this book was on. I knew which side it was on, where it was located, what side. I knew this thing front to back. And I decided to buy me one of those amplified Bibles that had just come out. And so I bought it and I stayed up reading familiar passages to me. And oh, it was good. It was good. Mmm. It says, taste and see. Ooh, it was good. But I got sleepy about midnight and I closed it up and I was walking to the bedroom. And I got in the doorway of the bedroom and Holy Spirit said, go back and read Isaiah 43 verse 10. Oh, okay. So I went back and I had to look in the concordance to find Isaiah because I was New Testament uh, savvy, but not Old Testament. And so I found Isaiah and I looked up chapter 43 and verse 10 and it said, The Lord says, I have chosen you that you may be my witness, that you may get to know me. And to know that I am God, that there is no other God before me, neither shall there be after me. And I went, you mean I can know you? You see, I didn't know that. I did not know that He had called me into a relationship of intimacy. And so I began my new adventure of knowing my Heavenly Father, of knowing my Creator God. Oh, I'm telling you, it's been 31, 32 years ago, and I'm still learning stuff. I mean, think about it. You read in in, in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Revelation, you see, you get a throne room glimpse. Ooh, yeah. And you see these created beings that fathers flung together. They sound kind of weird to me, but I mean, He made them, so I like them. I like anything Father does. And they're flying around the throne of the Most High God, the Great I Am, Jehovah. And they're flying around, and what are they doing? They're saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. They've been doing that for eons. And we get tired if we stand for 40 minutes. And they've been doing this, and they're not weary of doing what they're doing. And every time they make that circle and they come around, oh, they see something new about the Creator. Holy, holy, holy. So they make another circle. I'm going to go find out something new about Him. And they come around and they see Him again, different. Holy, holy, holy. That's our destiny. That is our destiny to do that. Oh, let's get started here on earth. Hallelujah. Let's get going. Let's go to the throne room. Mm. 
the Lord has been calling me into something that I've not... I mean, I live in His presence 24-7. But He's calling me to, to actively do something different than I've done before. And that is just to read one or two Scripture. You know, I'm used to reading the whole thing. And read one or two Scripture and then let Holy Spirit digest it for me. And then to minister to Him. Mm. Well, how do you minister to Him? Well, you've got to get your mouth going. Get your heart going first, because we don't want to be guilty of what the Scripture says. Their mouths are worshiping me, but their hearts are far from me. I don't want to be that way. And I'll catch my mind wandering off. You've got to slap it back into where it belongs. Your mind is like a wayward child. You've got to discipline your mind. I remember Kenneth Copeland years ago when he was first getting started in his ministry. He said, I had trouble wandering from the Word of God. So he just took his body and he got on the edge of the bathtub. He said, I won't go to sleep here. And he stood on the edge of the bathtub and read the Word of God until he disciplined his mind to stay awake. You've got to get a hold of your mind. Because, see, your spirit wants to be turned loose. Your spirit is born again if Jesus is your Lord. Your spirit is brand new, hungry, hungry, hungry for fellowship with the Father God. And so you've got to get your mind in line with your spirit. So slap that stuff around a little bit. So, how do you minister to the Lord? You get your mouth going with your heart. And what I do, I play the guitar, so I've just found me a place at my office, and I just get there and I just start singing. And I minister to the Lord. I don't think of a song, I just get in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Well, you want to worship Him perfectly, you pray in the Spirit. How do you pray in the Spirit? You've got to get baptized in the Holy Ghost first. Amen. Hallelujah. Read the book of Acts. We won't argue about it. Just read the book of Acts and say, Holy Spirit, teach me what that means. And He'll teach you. He's the teacher. Hallelujah. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Sing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. You're ministering straight to Him. You're not worried about what someone else is thinking or doing. You are concentrated on the One who made you, the One who loves you, the One who bought you with a price, and that was the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. Glory. That gets me excited. <laughs> You know, people wonder, how can you stay so excited? I just do. Because I'm plugged in. Just plug in. Woo, get into the river. And swim. Do a little backstroking. Woo, do some deep diving. The river of God. Woo, it's full of life. It flows from the throne of God. Woo, he is in it. Hallelujah. I think I'll just swim a little bit, Lord. Mm. Just get before Him and say, I'm coming to minister to you. What do you, Father, have need of today? We don't think about Him needing things, but He does. He needs our heart to be fulfilled. 
Because see, we've heard all of our lives that there's a God-shaped hole inside of you and only God can fill that. And that is so true. But did you know there's a U-shaped hole in God? And only you can make Him feel fulfilled. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's through the blood of Jesus where we have access to go into. Now, remember I said everything's a Polaroid snapshot. So here you got over in, I believe it's Exodus, somewhere's over in there. No, that's, that's the Passover. You've got uh, in Hebrews, it talks about the high priest going into the temple. And there was only one priest, once a year, allowed to go into the most holy place. You had an outer court where everyone came in and that's where they brought their sacrifice. That's where millions and millions of lambs had their throats slit. Doves had their throats slit. And the blood was poured in and it was so much of it they had made a, a river of blood going out the, the temple. That's a lot of sacrifices. But they would take the blood... And then they would, they would sacrifice what was brought. But once a year, the high priest of that year was permitted to go into the most holy place. Now out here in the outer court, you had the washing laver and you had the blood sacrifice. In the second room, you had the, the candle with the seven candles burning continuously. What that's a symbol of? Holy Spirit, yeah. Yeah, the seven spirits of God, the seven different characteristics of God continually burning, never going out. They were not allowed to let that lamp go dry. And then on the other side of the room, you had the table of showbread, and oil was poured over that. What's that a symbol of? The body of Christ. And then you had right before the curtain of the Holy of Holies, you had uh, 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 incense burning, and that that was the prayers going up. And that high priest, that curtain was six inches thick. That high priest would go and stand at the curtain at the appointed time. They had a rope tied around him, and he would stand there. And when God, the great Jehovah, decided it was time for him to come in, he was transported on the other side. And if that man had sin in his life, he was instantly struck dead. And that's why they had a rope on his ankle. They drug 62 of those priests out over the years. And what the job of that high priest was, was to go up to the Ark of the Covenant, on which was seated two cherubim. And when you visualize what God instructed Moses to make, it was a chair. Mm. And the judge of all judges would come and sit. And that priest would take the, the blood of an innocent animal and they would sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. And then they would sprinkle it on the mercy seat for the sins of the people that year. Can you get that Polaroid snapshot? That's what Jesus did. It was His blood. 
And I believe firmly that the, the blood of Jesus, when He so willingly took the earth suit prepared for Him, who knew no sin or corruption because they've medically proven that the blood comes from the Father, not the Mother, for us earth folk. So His blood was pure. It went into the heavenly mercy seat. Did you know everything that God designed, there was a real in the heavens? I believe that the blood of Jesus was taken into that special place where Father dwells and His blood was sprinkled on the covenant and on the mercy seat. And when Jesus died, that curtain with that priest had to stand there one time a year and be translated over. When Jesus took His last breath, what does the Word of God say? That curtain was ripped from top to bottom, saying, Whosoever may come into the Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are invited to come into the Holy of Holies. And you are invited being covered in the blood of Jesus to adore your Creator God. To love on the great God Jehovah. Saying, Lord... I'm not worthy. I was such a person. I don't deserve the mercy and the grace You've given me. But I gladly receive it. We'll never deserve it. We'll never be good enough. We'll never be worthy enough. But the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed on Calvary, when we accept that, it covers us. Mm. And then His righteousness becomes our garment. And we can go into that most holy place and see our wonderful Father face to face. Hallelujah. The reason you were created. Mm. Do you get the picture? Hallelujah. It's a good news thing. I'm telling you, the church has lived the bad news long enough. We can't make it in works. We can't do it. We can't do it. But the blood of Jesus can do it all. Hallelujah. He took the bread of the blood and the black of our sin and made us pure white as snow. Hallelujah. I don't understand it, but I just accept it. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you follow Him in water baptism, and you receive the Spirit baptism, you are more than conquerors through Jesus who gives you strength. Hallelujah. There's not a devil in hell. There's not one big enough walking on this planet that can keep you from Jesus. There's not a devil big enough, strong enough, that can keep you out of the Holy of Holies and view your wonderful Father face to face. Hallelujah. Mm. Don't let shame, don't let shame keep you out in the outer court. You say, I'm not going to walk in that no more. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. I'm not what I was. I am all washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And I am a child of the Most High. Amen. Whoa. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God.
Oh, hallelujah. His blood pleads louder for me than in heaven than all my sins can speak condemnation against me here on earth. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? His blood speaks louder for me in heaven than all of my sins condemn me here on earth. Hallelujah. And since I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am by His blood purified from sin and guilt, which enables me to be reconciled to God. No blood, no forgiveness. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus is sin-forgiving, guilt-removing, heart-cleansing, conscience-purifying, and it makes me whiter than snow. Psalms 51.7 and Hebrews 9.14. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus will give me overcoming power of devils as I speak God's work in my life. Revelation 12, verse 11. What does it say? They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Oh, we sing that song, What can wash me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, creature, I depend on which version you're reading, and all things have passed away and all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Let's see what it does. It, com- it forgives, it, it enables us to receive forgiveness of sin. Matthew 26, 28. It completely washes us of all sin. Revelation 1, 5. It enables us to be redeemed. Ephesians 1, verse 7. Colossians 1, 14. It justifies us. What does that word mean? It means just as if I'd never sinned. We are justified. Hallelujah. By the blood of Jesus. And that is Romans 5, 9. We are brought near to God. Ephesians 2, 13. We have peace with God. Colossians 1, 20. Our conscience is clean. Hebrews 9, 14. We are made holy and set apart by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 13, 12. It gives us boldness to approach God. Hebrews 10, 19. Hebrews 4, 16. And it gives us the ability to have ongoing cleansing. 1 John 1, 17. And it gives us power to overcome the devil. Revelation 12, 11. Now, baptism is the first step. How do do we encounter the blood of Jesus in our walk? Well, the way that Jesus implemented it was in communion. Amen? Read 1 Corinthians 11 and 12 and it will explain all about communion. Paul got the revelation from Jesus himself. And it's and he says in there when you when you guys are coming together it's not right he's rebuking the church at Corinth because they were coming together having just a supper and some of them were eating too much and the poor were not getting any food at all they were drinking until they were drunk and they had to be carried home and he said this isn't right he said you're not taking the Lord's Supper, you're not taking communion correctly. And he rebuked them for it. He said, uh, and you know, we've been taught, oh, you've got to be good enough to take communion. We must judge ourselves. That's an ongoing, everyday thing. We've got to judge ourselves lest we be judged. And when we judge ourselves, we'll keep ourselves in line with the Word of God. But Paul was talking about in that particular scripture, you're taking it irreverently. 
and we've taken the word unworthy to mean you got to be good enough. We ain't never going to be good enough, y'all. But if we've done something we know it's wrong, we need to take up issue with that and deal with it and, and confess it and get it out of our heart. But when we come in contact with the blood in communion, what we what are we saying? We are saying yes to cleansing. Yes, this is the blood of Jesus shed for me. I just receive this in, in remembering what He did by pouring out His blood. I receive that. And then He said, and you're not, uh, you're not taking the bread right. I mean, that's why some of you are sick. That's why some of you are weak. And that's why some of you are dead. Because you're not acknowledging what the body did. What did the body of Jesus do? What did the stripes that He bore on His back do for you? Healed you. Made you whole, complete, body, soul, and spirit. Amen? Sometimes we got to press through. we got to press through. And, and I sat under Dr. Roy Blizzard for a whole week. He, he taught on the blood covenant. And he, he's a Hebrew scholar, Greek scholar, and an archaeologist in Israel. He knows Jewish history from one end to the other, backwards and forwards. And he said, if we really understood what communion would do for us and what it meant for us, we would take it every day. You say, well, I can't take it every day. Oh, yes, you can. You and God. You and God. You get some bread for breakfast. You get something to drink. Just say, God, this is all I got. Don't you think He's going to honor that? Of course He does. It's not the exact chemical makeup of grape juice or or, uh, unleavened cracker. It is your faith arm reaching out saying, I want to contact with the blood of Jesus. I need that cleaning. I've goofed. I've done some stuff. And I'm going to contact the blood of Jesus. Here, here, Here is the body that heals me. And here is the blood that cleanses me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, that may short some of you, but it's the truth. I mean, we need to be doing that. I'd need to be doing that. We don't get in this life without challenges, physically or spiritually or any other way. Amen. But the, the covenant is the covenant. God said, I am the Lord that healeth you. And I, I sent Jesus to receive everything of the curse for you. Amen? And so we, we make that act of faith toward the covenant by accepting in baptism and also by communion. So y'all just study that out and have a good time in Jesus. Oh, fellowship with your Creator God this week. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, I would just ask that the truth of, of your word just go into all of our hearts and give us revelation. First off, Father, of who you are, the hope that you've called us to, the inheritance you have waiting for us, and may we experience the power of Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And Father, I bow my knee and I ask that that you uh, strengthen each one of us in our spirit by the Holy Spirit, that we can perceive the height, the width, the depth, and the breadth of your love, that we be filled to all of your fullness. And to you, Father, who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to you be the glory in the church and throughout the generation. Generations. Amen. 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 Thank you.